Hello, and welcome to the first annual Wordies. We've read and ranked your favorite romance novels, and now we're here to recognize the ones that stand out. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm your other host, Claudia. It's been one hell of a year, dear listeners. We've married billionaires, we've been impregnated, and we've even been kidnapped, all in the pursuit of the perfect romance story. To start off the night, we have a question from the Stratford system. What's your preference between audiobook and print slash ebook? Ooh, very good question. I mean, I can make arguments for every single one of these. I don't know if I can choose just one. Um, I started off the podcast with just print versions so I can put in my little sticky notes and make notes and everything. But ebook is just so convenient. So I have to say that those are my two go-tos. Though I do appreciate a good audiobook performance, and I always get a kick of whenever you play them on the podcast, Claudia. I'm going to go with ebook. I feel like a healthy medium here. I think I'll have to say audiobook, but more specifically, audiobook in conjunction with uh, the ebook. Mm-hmm. Because with the audiobook, I, I can do something else. I can, I can play Hitman, I can go grocery shopping, I can drive. A fair number of Amazon books, the ebook and uh, the audiobook will like sync up. So it will like actually flip to where you are when you were listening to the audiobook, like in the ebook, which is really convenient. That's snazzy. Yeah. But yeah, it, uh, ebook is just, has just been the way to go for me. Not just because I basically have no more room in my house for books. <laughs> uh, it's easier to take notes and take longer notes. The only one that I had to read in print was Roses and Rain, because it's from 1994 and they don't print it anymore. (laughs) And highlighting and taking those notes was a miserable experience. My highlighter, I felt, ran out like every two seconds. It just, it was miserable. Okay, so without further ado, our first category for Worst Female Lead. And the nominees are Allison Avery from The Makeup Test. Lauren Brooks from If I Break. The narrator from Vladimir. And the winner is... Allison Avery, The Makeup Test. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jenny L. Howe. You were the worst woman I've read in a book in a long time. (laughs) She's so terrible. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a a fair share of terrible leads here, but... Yeah, Allison Avery is terrible in such a believable way that it was frustrating. Yes. I don't feel I will ever meet somebody like the narrator from from Vladimir who is like Mm -hmm. a weirdly despicable person. Like, you know, she kidnaps a man, (laughs) uh, as you do, and apologizes for her husband's definitely consensual stuff. Mm. But I feel I have met some Alice and Averys in my time, and I do not like being around them. And I did not like reading about her for like 350 pages. I wholeheartedly agree. And she had some moments where I feel like she could have been redeemed and ultimately chose to not be a good person. (laughs) Made herself out to be the victim in certain situations when she was clearly the worst of the two people involved. Yeah. And Lauren Brooks is on here because uh, she she was painful to read and annoying, but it was because she was such a passive character. Mm-hmm. The other two are very active characters. 
Mm-hmm. So terrible, but all in different ways. Congratulations, Allison Avery, on your award. Congrats. I will be accepting the the award on behalf of Jenny L. Howe. <laughs> the next category is the Don't Worry About a Dude Award for the least convincing lie to self or others. And our nominees are D and Austin can just be friends. Jane and August are just kissing for science. And demons don't count. And the winner is... Jane and August are just kissing for science. Congratulations, Jane and August. You guys are full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Horse shit. You both knew. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, let's see what happens. Let's see if it triggers some memories. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Dean and Austin just being friends was a close contender. Yep. I did not believe them for one moment. It made me an absolute sicko. (laughs) (laughs) And demons don't count was just the the silliest lie. I like thinking about it even now. It like makes me laugh because it was just it was very clear that Logan just wanted to fuck a demon. So it's true. It's it's. Mm -hmm. The fact that it is such a bold-faced lie that really <laughs> neither one of them believes, but they're going to say it anyway. Yep. <laughs> Both lying to themselves and to others. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. I hope they have a long and happy marriage. <laughs> and our next category is the award for the most tragic backstory. And our nominees are... Victor Rohan's brother and girlfriend die in a car accident, and then he finds out that they were having an affair, and that his mother orchestrated said affair. Quenelith's wife, Sheloy, dying in a drunk driving accident. Oren's childhood abuse. And the winner is... Victor Rohan's brother and girlfriend die in a car accident, then he finds out that they were having an affair and that his mother orchestrated the affair. Danny, Danny really did it. <laughs> I'm crying. It's just so ridiculous. Like, there's so much happening here. <laughs> there's so many moving parts to it. Not only is it a death of a sibling, it's the death of a girlfriend. And then the betrayal on top of that from both of them. And then the extra layer of betrayal from his mother. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh fuck oh my goodness i would like to say of course orin's childhood abuse is horrible but at the same time we are mercifully spared from any sort of details about it or we only really get hints of what it is so it's it's ambiguous enough that i'm not willing to count it as most tragic for our podcast Mm -hmm. in general it's probably the most tragic (laughs) probably Quenelith's wife, Sheloy, dying in a drunk driving accident is tragic because, I mean, she did lose her partner, but also because these are two very powerful demons and to be taken out or to be taken out in such a mundane way is just very sad. And then also her entire home is like a shrine to her history with Sheloy. So Jesus Christ. It's rough. But congratulations, Victor Rohan, on a well-deserved victory. And we have another question and this one from Allie Angel. What is your favorite book and why? Can be romance or not? So I would like to say that my, Claudia, personal favorite book is probably actually a graphic novel, Bottomless Belly Button by Dash Shaw. I've come back to that book time and time again. 
it never fails to to make me feel a lot of feelings and it's good i like the the art i like dash shaw as a writer and an artist i think it's really fucking good i highly recommend it it's 900 pages but it doesn't actually feel like 900 pages and oak would like to say that his favorite book is slaughterhouse five by kurt vonnegut one that he has also come back to over and over again the time travel the general weird meta writing Vonnegut is his boy for life. This one's really hard for me, uh, but I think I'm going to narrow it down to two. The first one being Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory by Raphael Bob Waksberg, the writer and creator of BoJack Horseman. Uh, I actually have a quote from the book tattooed on my arm. Uh, that's what that is. I always look yeah. at that and I'm like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the quote here is, so you might as well be brave. Ah. It is a collection of short stories, and they are all different kinds of love stories. So you have like a platonic, you know, love between friends. You have romantic love. You have a story written from the perspective of a dog about its owner, which made me cry my eyes out. And so because it's a collection of short stories, it's very easily digestible. I mean, if you like BoJack Horseman and the way it's written, you're going to love this book. It ha- Considering it's the same uh, like creator, it has that very particular BoJack Horseman vibe that I just love. So that's one of them. And then my other favorite is not digestible <laughs> in the way this is. And that is a 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami. I have a copy that is actually broken up into three physical books, so three different parts. But if, as a whole, it's like over a thousand pages long. Uh, So I I read it maybe once every like five to seven years or so because it is so long. Something about it always draws me in. I mean, there's like a romance element that is pretty prominent in the book, but it's not the main focus. You have some magical realism, which I love. You have like also this kind of espionage subplot going on. It covers so many bases and it hits so many of the marks that I need a good story to hit. So that's another one. I got to get around to that one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's long and there are some parts that like are not great and like pretty questionable. Like there's a lot of like sex stuff, but it's not sex for the sake of like it being sexy. It's sex as in like this is something that your body does. Mm-hmm. It's very like objective and at some points in terms of sex. Also, I want to give a special shout out to uh, Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton, which is one of the only books I read in uh, my high school English classes that I loved <laughs> and still and 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 stole from the the school library. So I apologize for stealing. <laughs> oh dear. I don't even have that copy anymore. I had to buy a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the awards. Next, we have the biggest OK Boomer moment. And the nominees are Kane Michaels, born in like 1990, saying, kids these days are always on their phone. All of Vladimir. Jordan from Eight Kinky Nights, stimming by playing Candy Crush. And the winner is... All of Vladimir. (laughs) (laughs) I believe we said OK Boomer several times in that episode. The the episode would have, should have been named OK Boomer, the book, the novel. It really should have been. It's so much. It's so much. (laughs) 
I don't even have much to say on it. Like the other ones are just kind of a result of the actual writers being older people. Zan West was in their 40s. I believe Danny Collins is probably in her 60s, late 50s. We've mm-hmm. discussed this before, but we haven't settled on it. Danny, how old are you? <laughs> but all of Vladimir, uh, Julia Jonas is relatively young. She is in like, I think her late 30s or early 40s. I think so, yeah. It's just so okay, Boomer. Yeah, I mean, the narrator would often say and do things uh, that came across as like super judgmental to like, mm. towards younger people. And it's just like, wow, like this is exactly what an older woman would, would think, <laughs> would feel, would say, would do. Wow, you sound exactly like my mother-in-law. Amazing. Yeah, Alexandrite's mother-in-law award for biggest <laughs> OK Boomer moment. Oh, boy. Congratulations to all of Vladimir. Congratulations. What a novel. All right. And our next award is for the most punchable character. And the nominees are Ethan Windmore from The Makeup Test. John from Vladimir. Logan Graff from AITA, A Modern Fairy Tale. And Matt Harkney from Mountain Retreat Murder. And the winner is... Matt Harkney from Mountain Retreat Murder. Oh, Matt Harkney. It couldn't be anyone else. Oh, a man after my own fist. Just to, you know, run through the other characters here. Uh, Ethan Windmore from The Makeup Test was an extremely punchable character. So much so that it was laughable. It was hilarious. I loved to hate him. Yeah. Uh, John from Vladimir is a bastard. Mm -hmm. And he sucks. But... He's also pretty congenial. Yeah. Logan Graff from AITA is... A more like he he's not malicious whenever he does anything, I feel. He's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, he's stupid, he's inconsiderate. Yeah. But oh my goodness, Matt Harkney, especially because every other character in this category was not one of the romantic leads. Matt yep. Harkney, however, was, and he sucks. He's the worst, and I hate him. <laughs> I can't I can't believe he was written. We were supposed to like this guy. Yeah. That's insane. And, and not only was he an ex-military cop, which ACAB, he was he was not a good father. Mm-hmm. He was just so condescending and so pretentious because he's an author and has amazing skills of deduction and observation that I will never stop making fun of, by the way. <laughs> he was just insufferable. My goodness. He's also just, like, so vapid overall. He yeah. just, the man has nothing going on. No. Blank piece of paper of a man, but yet, yeah. I still want to punch that paper. Yeah. Anyway, congratulations to Matt Harkney from Mountain Retreat Murder. Congratulations. No one deserved this award more than you. Beth Cornelison, you did it. You did it. Our next category is Least Believable Proposal or Wedding. And the nominees are Matt and Kate from Mountain Retreat Murder. Evan and Sadie from Love Under Quarantine. And Kale and Sunny from Sunny Says. And the winner is... 
Matt and Kate from Mountain Retreat Murder. The back-to-back victories. Oh. Matt didn't even leave the stage. He knew. Oh, he knew. They're really <laughs> cleaning up tonight, folks. <laughs> yeah, so they got married after knowing each other for like three, parentheses, number three, days. And, I mean, neither of them have any kind of substance. No. Kate's entire character was that she ran the retreat and also has a family. Yep. Matt's character we already went over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps in a way they are perfect together. Because they're both nothing people. Yep. They both remove each other from the dating pool so no one else has to suffer. And so Matt is not from this area. He moved to this area completely uh, like forgetting about his son, essentially, <laughs> to be selfish and marry this woman that he's known for a very short amount of time wild i mean i how was i supposed to believe this um, unthinkable at least i want to say evan and sadie uh bonded over the course of love under quarantine yeah they trauma bonded i exactly i think i even said in the episode i almost believe it yes i mean because you know if if for those of you who don't remember love under quarantine takes place during the start of covid and yep. that was a very specific time in all of our lives where I think trauma bonding was at its strongest. Yep. Yeah. And Kale and Sunny, it's like, it was just so forced. That's that's mm-hmm. the worst thing about it. Like, they've known each other for a couple of months, which also is not an adequate amount of time to be engaged after. They just don't mix well. No. And they have such radically different goals in life that I'm like, you kids aren't even going to last through the engagement. Nope. But at least Kale eventually did, you know, change things around for Sunny. So I guess it made their relationship and therefore the proposal and wedding more believable as a whole. I guess so. It's still a stretch. None of these are great, but Matt and Kate, you take the cake. Nothing will be Congratulations. We have a question next. From the Evergreen Collective, if you had to get married to one of the characters you've covered tomorrow, who would it be and what would your wedding be like? I still need to think about this one. I have an answer. My answer is Dell, no last name given, from Monsters of River's Edge. I'm so butch for butch. She sounds so fucking hot. And (laughs) our wedding would be... In a courthouse, we would sign the papers with the efficient right there, and we would not even have any sort of ceremony. We would just go home afterwards uh, because she is very tired of weddings and being married <laughs> in general. I'm thinking of like, oh, like as a bisexual person, should I give mm-hmm. like my male and female answers? Yeah, sure. Okay. Because my, my easy female answer here is Quenelith the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am in love with her and also obsessed with her. She would treat me so right. We would have a very intimate wedding, probably in this realm, not in the demon realm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little scary. I don't want to see any like eight-legged horses running around my wedding. Not really my vibe. Um, so we would have a very small, intimate ceremony here somewhere scenic in the forest perhaps considering she did enjoy camping and making s'mores and everything true so we would piggyback off of that 
Uh, and we would have a nice, fun little reception, just us and our closest friends. So we would also invite Craylock to the wedding, of course. And I'd give him like a little, you know, like side eye, kind of like Debbie Ryan kind of look from, you know, the corner of the venue. Uh, I was going to joke and say that he was my male pick, but I'm going to have to give my male pick to our boy Kane Michaels. Kane Michaels. Kane I mean, Michaels. how could you not? He's I know. Also, he's a billionaire and like a girl's got bills to pay. So... <laughs> But Kane Michaels. Do you kind of have to have to agree if I were to pick a male lead? I, Dell, I love you, but are you gonna pay my bills? Gonna pay my telephone bills? Actually, you might if we get divorced. Oh shit! She you probably actually a, will. She yeah, she would. She wouldn't like. It, it would not be like a good sustainable lifestyle for her, but she would be <laughs> doing it. And it's like, why are you doing this? You probably don't have to be doing this, but you're doing it anyway. She loves to suffer. There is this podcast called Comedy Bang Bang, and there is a return. It's a it's an improv podcast, and so there is a character played by Paul F. Tompkins who comes back every once in a while, and his name is Alimony Tony, and he loves to pay alimony. <laughs> <laughs> what a man! And so that Dell kind of gives that, considering she's paying off her ex's debts and everything. <laughs> so she and oh. alimony Tony should talk. And our next category is for meaniest one-liner. And the nominees are, Cal couldn't be in some small-town pie-eating contest. That's not why he left me. From If I Break. There are no further nominees. And the winner is, Cal couldn't be in some small-town pie-eating contest. That's not why he left me. From If I Break. Congratulations. The most memorable line from a book of all time. It's just so funny. <laughs> the way it's written, like the cadence of it is also so good. This is poetry. <laughs> and I mean, this is after Lauren has been through like hell and back. She has this baby <laughs> and all of a sudden her friend's like, here, look at this newspaper clipping with your husband definitely in this picture. And he's just eating a pie after all she's been through. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that for a moment... She considers that maybe he left her for a pie-eating contest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Iconic. Put that on a pillow. Our next category is the Victor Rohan Award for Worst Male Lead. And the nominees are Victor Rohan himself from Innocence Nine-Month Scandal. Evan Sparks from Love Under Quarantine. Matt Harkney from Mountain Retreat Murder. Cal Scott from If I Break. And the winner is Matt Harkney. Get your ass back on the stage. <laughs> Absolutely cleaning up. What is this? His third or fourth award? Third award. <laughs> I can't believe her book. We hate it so much. It's winning so many awards. I'll be if they're negative, but at the same time. Wow. It's honestly so impressive. Who could have predicted this? This book really haunts me. It truly does. I mean, everything about this book. There wasn't even a murder in it. There was not a murder. Everything I can't about believe this book. it still. I know. And, oh, Matt Harkney, what ha What can we say that we haven't said already? Uh, we could mention that he was both a military cop and a writer. He has very, very impressive skills of observation. He's so talented. No wonder they made him head of security after only knowing him for three parentheses, three days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, it's he has such good powers of observation. He actually already knows every winner for tonight. Wow. Matt, you should be the one up here presenting. Ah, um, no. Go, no. Go back to your table. Go you deserve a rest. <laughs> really getting those steps in today, huh, Matt? Thank you for your service. And our next category is the award for worst fit for our show. This is the award for a book that we read on the show that we felt we probably shouldn't have. And the nominees are Vladimir, a novel. Second Wind. Mountain Retreat Murder. And the winner is Vladimir, a novel. It's not a romance. It is not a romance. Julia um, A. Jonas, you somehow worked your way onto our show. Oh, hang on. What's that? What's that? Oh, yeah. So uh, Julia Mae Jonas would like to thank Book of the Month Club for categorizing this book under salacious, which gave me the impression that it was going to be a steamy romance novel, uh, especially because of the cover featuring a very toned torso of what I assume is a very handsome man. Instead, it was a somewhat introspective drama about illicit affairs between a teacher and his students and also a woman who kidnaps a man. (laughs) The greatest romance story of our time. (laughs) The other nominees, Second Wind is a romance, and I think it's not a bad romance. It just was not steamy. I I really wanted to see octogenarians getting it on, Mm -hmm. but we were robbed of that. And what else can we say about Mountain (laughs) Retreat Murder, Jesus Christ? (laughs) Really, uh, you know, racking up those nominations tonight. (laughs) All right. And before we get to our next award, we have a question from Wash. Has the show changed much in tone slash content from your original vision? And if so, in what way? Yes and no. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, one, we never intended for episodes to be three hours long. Yeah. (laughs) But yet, (laughs) I don't mind that it's three hours long. Mm -hmm. We've read a lot more serious novels than we thought we would. Because I think that you and I both came into this thinking like, oh, we're going to read a bunch of weird shit and and it'll be funny and like we'll be able to make fun of it and not take it seriously. But even from the first book we read, we Mm -hmm. were like, oh, this is actually really good. Yes. Uh, I went into this thinking that most of our books would have that Nanny and the Beast vibe. Uh, or like the AITA kind of silly premise. But then even those books we ended up enjoying, especially AITA. Yeah. And Um, let me tell you, Nanny and the Beast slaps still. Oh, for sure. (laughs) But it's definitely the vibe that I thought we were going to go with. But no, we've read, I mean, just look at uh, Love Me Whole and Eight Kinky Nights. We've read some very heavy content on this show. I cried over books on this show. Yeah. Several books on this show. Yes. I mean, yeah, it definitely took a turn that I don't think we were expecting, but one that we are not upset about. Yeah, I, I really enjoy what this show is and what it's become and the ways that it's like grown over the last year. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say, I think that when we initially thought about memeiness, we did not define it enough. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I, I forget if we came up with Steamy Dreamy Mimi first or if we came up with Three Little Words first. I think they were maybe two separate things 
that we came up with. And then we were like, oh, that's the three little words. I think that's how it happened because the three little words are always I love you. And it's like, oh, that works with romance. I think we were talking about how we were going to like rate and rank these books. I think it was like, so we said steamy and then dreamy. And it's like, oh, those rhyme. We should stick with that. And then I think that's how memeiness came into existence. I have the original like papers that we wrote on for Mm -hmm. like our prototype or whatever, our like initial pilot or whatever. We wrote like, okay, like category names, steamy, dreamy, memey. And then we had a space for others and we couldn't think of anything else. (laughs) That that were that was three. I don't even know if we came up with two for anything else. I don't know. I oh, it was like romance and deep pants. Oh yeah, have yeah. I been romanced? Have I been deep pantsed? And, and we, we couldn't, couldn't think, think of anything of the else. Third one. <laughs> we knew what the categories were going to be, like what the like sexiness, romance, and unintentional humor. Mm-hmm. But we just steamy dreamy Mimi was the only thing that fit. And I think I I think it's so good. I think it it really kind of speaks for itself in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. I think we did a good job. I think we kind of knocked it out of the park in one. We did it. Yay. Claps for us. Please clap. <laughs> Please clap at home. We will be able to hear. Our next award is the Say the Line Claudia Award for Most Unintentional Character Subtext. This is both for plural and neurodivergent subtext that was most likely not intended by the authors. And the nominees are Allison Avery in The Makeup Test, the entire A-Squad in the Wildfire series, and Sunny Larkin from Sunny Says. And the winner is... Allison Avery from The Makeup Test. I mean, how could it not be? I mean, she's the reason that line, that that joke started. Because I, I remember I saying, like, there are just so many moments here that, that I would exhaust myself if I said every one. So just imagine everyone in my head saying, say the line, Claudia, every time one of these comes up. <laughs> <laughs> the The other two... The entire A-Squad is both autistic and plural. <laughs> Some of them are probably ADHD as well. I mean, we, we've talked about how, like, Joe is sensory-seeking. Yeah, Callum is sensory-avoidant. Uh, so is Weiston to a lot of degrees. And plus, they all talk to their animals internally. It's just so autistic and plural. <laughs> Allison Avery still wins out over it because it's just so, like, what... How did you not intend this? Yeah. <laughs> but. Unintentional, bold, underscore, also all caps. Yeah. And Sunny Larkin, ADHD queen. She is so autistic. She definitely has ADHD. We love her. And I think that if somebody told her either of those things, she could manage them a lot better instantaneously because she's actually like pretty good at being a human being, unlike Alison Avery. Oh, boy. Alison Avery, go to therapy. (laughs) Congratulations on your victory. Please take your (laughs) trophy to the closest therapist. (laughs) For for a 50% discount off your first session. Whoa. (laughs) Not sure how enforceable that is, but yeah. (laughs) And our next category is for most fuckable non-human. 
and the nominees are Syrah from Monsters of River's Edge, Quenelith the Conqueror from AITA, Rory Griffin from the Wildfire series, <laughs> Joe Little from the Wildfire series, Weiss and Silver from the Wildfire series. And the winner is Quenelith the Conqueror from AITA Modern Fairy Tale. Oh, well deserved. I think about this book constantly. I've recommended it to so many people. I named a character after her in my <laughs> D&D campaign. I go back and read that sex scene regularly. Yeah, me too. I think about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she's great. Uh, she's incredibly fuckable. I love the wings. I love the tail. I like the green skin. I think the green skin is kind of hot. Uh, though I do have to give shout outs to everybody else on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, my only thing with our wildfire crew here is that we don't really ever see too much fucking in there in some kind of beast form. Um, I remember when we read um, wildfire Griffin and I thought that Rory was going to smash in Griffin form. Yeah. Uh, Did not happen. Unfortunately. Uh, Syra though. I think about Syra all the time. Also. Syra is so (laughs) beautiful. Oh, my God. I think about also, like, grinding on her tail and stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Quenelith was able to use her tail in a different way. True. Also, uh, Jerrica, where is the third book? Yeah. It's been almost a year, Jerrica. Where is the third book? Jerrica? Also, Jerrica, please know this is this is mostly, the tone is mostly in jest, but please make, make the third book. Um, so yes, I would like to give, I, for me, Syrah was a very close second, but yeah, Quenelith just, oh, Quenelith the Conqueror. What can I say about her that I haven't already said? She's beautiful. Beautiful woman. Her. So congratulations to all of our nominees and to our winner, Quenelith. Next, we have a question from Veer. In general, what's the horniest book you've read that doesn't have any sex or nudity in it? And would you cover it on the podcast if you haven't already? I don't even know how to answer this one. Yeah, I mean, you said Pride and Prejudice, and I think that kind of fits. Okay. Um, (laughs) I also gotta say, Great Gatsby kind of fits in there. Mm -hmm. Daisy and Gatsby are so horny for each other. There's that weird scene where Nick Mm -hmm. is, like, in his underwear with this other guy, and there's, there's, like, no context to it. I feel like if you read it in, like, AP English in high school... It could be on this list. Yes. I'm thinking yeah. even Ethan Frome. Like, I don't recall there being, it's been a little while since I read it, but like, it's again, like, like classic American literature or classic in- literature in the English language. Um, I feel it can go on this list. Yep. I don't think it's something we would ever cover on the show. No. Mm-mm. I think maybe for a bonus episode or something, we would be like, okay, let's read a high school English book. Oh my God. I'm down to read The Great Gatsby if you're down to read Ethan Frome. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, maybe. Yeah. I'd be kind of into it. Yeah. Interesting question. I really wish I could answer it better. I to agree. Be yeah. And like, I've given this some thought and I just still haven't been able to come up with anything. Maybe also to kind of like piggyback off of this. 
What is the horniest book that we've read on the show? The horniest book that we've read on the show. I'm thinking Nanny and the Beast. Is I was up about there. to say Nanny and the Beast. Yeah, yeah, it, that that book was just constant fucking. Yes, and it was like good. Fu- I mean, this is this is like Ao three quality smut in yep. this book, which I it, appreciate as somebody who enjoys smut. <laughs> yeah, I I mean it's it's really good. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the only other one would be for uh, the Alternate Universe podcast, um, Three Little Things, because I'm gay for my living billionaire jet plane is just a sex scene, basically. <laughs> yep. Good for that. Our next award is not exactly one that has nominees. Our next two. The first award is for the most slept on episode of Three Little Words. Uh, this is based not just on listen count uh but based on that in relation to how much we like the episode and or book yes and so our nominees are vladimir a novel wildfire sea dragon and our winner is wildfire sea dragon please listen to this episode it's so good the book is so good my boyfriend's in it i i like i i I love my boyfriend i also love your boyfriend Please listen to Vladimir as well. Vladimir is an insane episode. Vladimir is so funny because it clearly does not belong on this show. <laughs> but, and it was and the plot itself is just so wild that like you gotta listen to it. And Sea Dragons are so and so our next award is for the most listened to episode. So this objectively has the most listens of all our episodes. And the award goes to a Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire by Danny Collins. Danny, thank you for the boost on our first episode. Uh, you really gave us the, the like, one, the kick in the ass to feel really good about this podcast immediately, yes. like we really had something. And two, uh, to make us be slightly more considerate with how we talk about our authors. Not that we said anything bad about her, but it made me realize, like, oh, they might listen if we add them. Yeah, especially because um, we did not like the uh, follow-up book. Yep. So. <laughs> I actually told Danny Collins that, and she was like, that's that's fine. I wasn't going to listen to it anyway, I don't think, mm-hmm. because I don't want it to, like, influence my own writing. Yeah. I was like, you know, that's fair. Yeah. And again, we we don't say anything bad about her or her writing in uh, Innocence Nine Month Scandal, but we just truly did not like our. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't care for the story or the characters. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire has thirty percent more listens than our next most listened to episode, and basically double what the average episode has. I don't know if it's because of Danny Collins. Or if it's because it's the first episode or what. But like, if you came here from Danny Collins and you still regularly listen to our podcast, can you let us know? Can you email us or tweet us or come into our Discord and say, I I was on Danny Collins' Facebook or website and that's why I'm here? I desperately need to know. Yes, I I would love to hear that. Before we continue our awards ceremony... 
we would like to take a moment to remember everyone who has passed away in the previous year of Three Little Words. In Memoriam Istvan Karolyi Christoph Rohan Victor Rohan's girlfriend Two teenage girls The judge's wife Seth, leader of C-Squad Mary, the cleaning woman Five women at various Riverside venues Yulia's parents That one guy, Yuri's henchman, beat to death Ivan, Moth, the Unicorn Matriarch, Several Demons, Jordan and Erica's father, Austin's mother, Buck's sister, brother-in-law, and nephew, Jed Avery, Becky's parents, Sheloy, Joseph Appleby, Ryan Thornton, Augie Landry, Evan's mom, and Trina. The world is darker for having lost all of them. Also, thank you so much to Max, who always very promptly records whatever script I send him. <laughs> we <laughs> love you, him Max. so much. <laughs> well, thank you, Max, for helping us honor our, our fallen friends. Thank you, Max. Moving on to the award for which book would make a better movie than a book. And the nominees are Vladimir, a novel. There are no further nominees. <laughs> <laughs> and the award goes to... Vladimir, a novel by <laughs> Julia May Jonas. Congratulations, Vladimir. I mean, you said it multiple times in that episode. Lifetime movie. It, it plays out just like a Lifetime movie. I need to see this on the Lifetime movie network, please. I will pay for a subscription to it just so I can watch this movie. It's just so bonkers. It really is. What, what, a, what a book. What I mean, it was originally intended to be a stage play, so in a sense, it was kind of supposed to be a type of visual medium. There we go. Our next award is for the steamiest sex scene. And our nominees are AITA, the first time Becky and Quen have sex. Love Me Whole, Oren's first hand job. Eight Kinky Nights, the feral claiming lesson. Under a Falling Star, Dee and Austin get it out of their system once and for all. And Wildfire Sea Dragon, Joe and Seven mating by the lake. And the winner is... Love Me Whole, Oren's First Handjob. Nicole, tell me about it. Oh my god, so... We were when we were deliberating over, you know, who should who should be who should receive this award. We have a lot of good options here. All the nominees deserve to be here tonight. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, ever since I first read Oren's first hand job, 
It has not escaped my memory. It is permanently ingrained into my tiny little brain. Like when you go somewhere and pe- you see people like writing people's name on a tiny little piece of rice to put it into like a little pendant for your necklace. That's what it's done to me. It's in there forever. There's so much about it too. The tenderness to it, like the sort of heart comfort there. How like tentatively excited Vaughn is, but he's trying to like hold back how excited he is because he doesn't want to scare Oren. Oh my God. Oren's like trust. Everything, everything. It's great. Every other scene here is also really fucking good. This was maybe the hardest category in my opinion. One of them. One of them. Just wow. I mean, AITA... We have gone on and on about this book at length. We love everything about it. And then Eight Kinky Nights, the feral claiming lesson. You know we love that feral shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And framing it around a lesson also feels really hot. Yes. I just remember that that moment where Jordan like grabs grabs Leah's hair and pulls it, and she immediately sinks so far into subspace that she's like, I can't do the rest of the lesson. You need to fuck me now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. It's so good. Under a Falling Star, another classic. uh, Worse than 10 million 9-11s that there's not a second scene. Getting it out of their system. Getting into mine permanently, apparently, Mm -hmm. because, oh, my God. And Wildfire Sea Dragon, the Wildfire series finally delivering a sex scene, and it makes up for everything else. Yes, I mean, because, you know, Wildfire Griffin was good. Wildfire um, Unicorn was a little vanilla. And Wildfire Sea Dragon, Joe fucks. <laughs> and the biting. Everything. Oh, my God. They were getting real violent up in there. It was so good. It means everything to me. Me reading it, just looking at them like sickos. Ha, 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 ha. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Three little sickos. Three little sickos. Who's the third sicko? Oh, well. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we have another question uh, from the Evergreens. This is a question for Oak. Uh, Which has been Oak's favorite edit edition? Trying to get him out now. He's he's been fairly close by, but I want to to let him uh, speak more in his own voice. So my favorite... Hi. Uh, My (laughs) favorite... My favorite edition, I I think, has been um, in Nanny and the Beast. There are two of them that I really love. It is The Piss, where (laughs) I I put the the Princess Bride music and then the Lord of the Rings music. And I went through the specific effort of finding the section of those soundtracks where those lines that we're, we're parodying are said. Like the, so pure, so beautiful. <laughs> I I specifically like synced that up so it would fit at the exact same timing as the, the music in the movie. And say, I did my best with Lord of the Rings, but that moment was a lot more difficult to sync up. I did my absolute best with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will do insane things for the bit to make myself laugh. <laughs> The other one was also in that episode uh, where Claudia is like, Ivan pulls out a gun. I put in a cocking gun sound. I think he pulls out two guns. I put put two cocking gun sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that bit made me laugh the second I thought of it. And it works so well. I, I've gotten a lot of positive notes on that moment. 
Uh, I have also just like my favorite edit. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if this was Sunny Says or Roses and Rain, but it was like the Men in America edit. And you had. (laughs) I fucking forgot about Men in America. That was my first edit. Yes, it was so good. Oh, man. I remember searching like free music archive for like American rock. Yeah. (laughs) It just hit so good. It was so funny. Yeah. Oh, man. I would like to say one almost certainly underrated one. AITA. There's a moment where Claudia is like, you know, you, your demon and your Johnson. I put in the clip that she's referencing, which is an old like 1980s commercial for a fishing boat that's that's called a Johnson. And it's so innuendo filled. You've got your sunrise. You caught a prize. You, you're making your Johnson. Party nights, summer whites. You, your friends and your Johnson. Rooster tails, water trails. You, your kids and your Johnson. Saturday nights, distant lights. You, your girl and your Johnson. You and your Johnson, a way of life for over 50 years. At the end, the bit that I put in, which is, you know, Saturday night, distant lights, you, your girl, and your Johnson, which it <laughs> at that point just feels so intentional. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to put that bit in with the with the little piano, like fading out at the end. <laughs> Very good. Well, thank you for all your work uh, editing these episodes. Very appreciated. So, Oak, since you're here. I would like your help to present the award for the Oakleaf Award for Worst Episode to Edit. And the nominees are Makeup Test, Monsters of River's Edge, One Last Stop, and the winner is Monsters of River's Edge. So let me tell let me tell you about editing Monsters of River's Edge, dear fucking listeners. So the reason that Makeup Test and One Last Stop are on here are because of sheer length. Uh, makeup Test was four and a half hours long, raw, and uh, One Last Stop was recorded over two sessions. One was three hours long, and another was like two and a half hours long, something like that, 2.15. I think the final length of that was like five hours and, and like 19 minutes, something like that, for the raw audio. I managed to cut that down to three hours exactly. And everyone should give me a fucking award for that. But <laughs> Extra award um, category for next year. Thank you. Monsters of River's Edge is entirely my own goddamn fault. And I'm like <laughs> traumatized from the work I had to do on it. Um, the last 30 minutes of that episode in particular, if you listened to that and you said, this sounds like a normal conversation that people are having in real time, I did my job. Because I used Audacity's like remove silence tool, and I don't know if I if I forgot to hit the button or if it just didn't work for uh, only removing silence when it's on every track at the same time. So instead, it essentially removed random amounts of length from each of the three tracks for Claudia Marn and Nicole as the episode went on it became more and more out of sync. So I had to essentially recreate the episode almost line by line. It w- The final 20 minutes of that episode, half hour of that episode, took me like three hours to edit. Oh my goodness. It, 
the that was my first episode that came out like a couple of hours before it was due, basically. And that's that's because it was just such a nightmare to do. I could only work on it for like half an hour at a time too, because I I, I would literally be like gripping the desk and gritting my teeth and just what the fuck did I do? <laughs> I've never used silence remover since. So yeah, that's that's my explanation. So congratulations to that episode for being the worst to edit. <laughs> Thank you. My first episode with three tracks to edit. Uh, it's been it, it was horrible, but I think the episode came out really well. It is a favorite of mine. It's also a favorite for our listeners because that's among like our top three listens, I believe. Oh, look at that. So all your hard work was worth it. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to give the body back to Claudia. Bye, Ope. All right. Bye, love you. Our next award is for Best Kiss. And the nominees are Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire, Gisela and Kane's First Kiss. The Makeup Test, Kiss in the Hospital Parking Lot. One Last Stop, Jane Returns. And the winner is... One last stop, Jane returns. Beautiful scene. Beautiful. I mean, after everything that they've been through and uh, thinking that they would never see each other again. Even as a reader, knowing that Jane definitely has to come back. Mm-hmm. Or August has to somehow go to her or something. Just the, the relief that it gives, you know? Yes. What a book. What a book. I actually have recommended this book to many people, and one of our friends said that this book redeemed the romance genre for her. Goddamn. High praise. High praise. Deserved. Deserved, absolutely. So congratulations to One Last Stop on your victory. Congrats, Casey McQuiston. For killing the game. Killing the game. Next, we have a question from Veer. High School AU. Which protagonists sit at which tables? Which I think is a very funny question that's going to take a few minutes to answer. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we can go through, like, the episode list. Yeah. Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire. Kane Michaels and Gisela Drummond. Gisela's definitely going to be at, like, the artsy table. Yes. Yeah, she's she's a big art nerd. Yes. But she's, like, a cool art nerd. Yeah. She's not at like the geek table. She she's with the artsy people. If Kane isn't sitting with Gisela because he can't bear to be apart from her for ten minutes, because he's a simp. Because he's a simp, which I love. I think he's at like the kind of prep table. So I was. I'm not sure which way to go with this because if we're thinking like canon Kane Michaels back in high school, he's not oh, even yeah, at the school. He's, a- he's skipping. <laughs> <laughs> very true i'm thinking not their backstory versions mm-hmm. i'm thinking like like the versions that we see in the book now see i was thinking almost that he would be at kind of like um like a a tech geek table because he does mm. own and run a tech company that is true i could see him being being with the little nerds yeah the he's AD like a club. cool nerd yeah yeah he's the nerd that all the other nerds are like Man, he hangs out with us. Yeah, He's exactly. Dating her, and he hangs out with us. Yep. <laughs> uh, so next, Rosalia and Victor from uh, Innocence Nine Month Scandal. Uh, Rosalia is sitting with her cousin. Yep. Victor. Victor is a jock. 
100%. And like an asshole jock too. Yeah. What sport does he play? He plays lacrosse. I was going to say lacrosse too. I didn't too. even have to think about it. He plays lacrosse. Mm-hmm. I was going to say lacrosse or like ice hockey. Oh, yeah. Something with a big stick. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Roses and rain. Shannon O'Connor, Nick Dalton. Uh, Shannon is in like the... I mean, she's she's a journalist, but I think she's kind of in the preppy area with Kane Michaels. I was thinking that she was going to sit with like the newspaper club. Yeah. If we're not dividing it up by like clubs specifically, mm-hmm. I think she's kind of a prep, but like a nerdier prep. Yeah. I don't think she's sitting at the artsy table. I think, you know, newspaper. Maybe she's sitting at the kind of like AV club table. Oh. It's like like half, they have like the long tables and half the table is the AV club. The other half are like the journalism yearbook people. Oh, and that's because they also do like the daily show on the school, on the TVs and stuff because they have those. Definitely. So they work together a lot. Uh, Nick is also a jock. (laughs) I was thinking he could also sit at the artsy table. Remember he does like clean glass? Yeah. Actually, yeah, he sits there. Totally. It makes sense that he sits with Rosalia and Gisela because they also have like very odd artistic uh, interests. I mean, they do, like, they make jewelry. Yeah. I could see them working together on a project. Like, he makes some, like, essentially a stained glass gem. I don't know if that's a thing you can do, but I think that they would try. They'd figure it out. Yeah. They're they're crafty people. All right. uh, If I break Cal Scott and Lauren Brooks... Cal Scott, obviously a jock. Jock. I don't think... He plays lacrosse, but he uh, he also, in the winter, plays basketball. I could see that. No, he wrestles. He wrestles. Oh, yeah, he wrestles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's so specific and so true. Oh, that's so weird. Like, you hit that on... You hit the nail on the head with that one. (laughs) Thank you. Lauren... Has no personality, but we find out later... I mean, we find out later she likes opera... Maybe she's a theater kid, but I don't think she fucks nasty enough to be a theater kid. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm going to say theater kid because theater kids tend to be very incestuous considering (laughs) what happens in the second book. I think it works for her. Yeah, I think I I think I can see that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love me whole. Orin and Vaughn. Orin is sitting everywhere, I think. Oh, yeah, he's coming around. He's sitting with the jocks for wrestling. He's, you know, Reed is sitting with the jocks. Uh, Cohen is with fucking everybody, probably. He's he's a big schmoozer. Everyone loves Cohen, but he also likes to hang out with the band geeks because yeah. they, they fuck. <laughs> That's where Oren is. Oren is with the band geeks, but yeah. he's like, he hasn't completely flowered there yet. Oh, baby. What instrument does Oren play? Oh, baby. Hello, mine too. Oh, baby time. <laughs> uh, I... And here's an award for best boys. Oh my best god! Boys. And tied for first place, Googie and Archer. Wow! Wow! He's <laughs> being. Okay, so what what instrument does Oren play? Hmm. I feel like I feel like he'd play like French horn or baritone horn. I was gonna say fucking French horn too. Yeah. <laughs> it's giving a French horn. <laughs> Uh, Cove is with the artsy kids, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, or or the goths, but I think there's some overlap. Uh, Theo is 
helping out in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, Rain Rain doesn't go to school. Yeah. <laughs> Vaughn is kind of hard to pin down because he's a big nerd, mm-hmm. but he also does really enjoy football. Yeah. He'd be the mascot. Oh my God, you're so right. I mean, he'd be the mascot, but like people wouldn't make fun of him for being the mascot. He'd be like the yeah. cool mascot. We're like, oh, it's the fucking guy who does like all yeah. the jumps and shit. <laughs> it's the pair of lips from the Three Little Words High School. <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir, a novel. <laughs> I guess narrator and Vladimir. They're both teachers. Yeah, yeah. I think that I refuse to high school well, them. No. Vladimir's a TA. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, and uh, narrator is the older, experienced teacher who's tenured, who's, like, ogling this college student. Rory and Edith. It's hard, because Edith's special interest is really, like, fire safety. Yeah, but she's also, I I think she would also be a jock of some kind, though. Yeah, because she's fucking ripped. Yeah. I think she runs track. Ooh, I like that. Or maybe that. she does, like, shot put or something. Well, track and field. Yeah, track and field. There we go. And she'll do, like, cross country, too. Yeah. She doesn't give sprinter so much as cross country. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Rory is also a jock, but he's, like, he's a sensitive jock. Oh, yeah. I almost feel like baseball. Yeah, he's a big baseball guy. Right? I can see that. Yeah. I think he pitches. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kate and Matt. <laughs> uh, Matt's in like the JROTC. JROTC, oh, yeah. So right. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, she just sits with her family who has like more of a personality than she does. Yeah. And so she's like piggybacking off of their interests. Matt and Kate are both T posing in the corner because they have not been assigned personalities. Yep. Nobody bothered to model and rig them fully. Matt is um, also in kind of like the newspaper yearbook club, but nobody likes him. Yeah, yeah, very true. (laughs) Yes, it's at like the end of the table. (laughs) Yeah, and everyone like is very clearly ignoring him. Yep. Sunny says, Kale and Sunny. Both at the journalism table or whatever. Yes, but Kale is friendly with the jocks. Yes, agreed. I don't think he plays a sport, but I think he does a lot of sports coverage for the school journal and the yearbook. Yeah, he has a lot of jock friends, too. Yeah. They played, like, sports together in middle school, and then upon when he got mm. to high school, he's like, I don't actually want to do sports. I enjoy them, and, like, I will play, you know, basketball. I'll shoot some hoops with some friends, but not enough to be on a team. Highly agree. Also, this is so fun. This is so fun. (laughs) Whose idea was this? Veer. Thank you, Veer. Yes, thank you, Veer. This was great. Syra and Del. Oh, I love them. I mean, where do I put the gay autistic people? Either theater or (laughs) (laughs) or band. Probably band. Del is band, at least. I think Del plays like the the baritone sax. Oh, that's hot. I used to play Barry Sax. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so I would definitely switch instruments like it because I hopped between all different kinds of saxes, basically depending on the need of the band. And so I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I would, you know, switch to baritone just to sit next to her. <laughs> Mood. I <laughs> I would uh, 
transfer from clarinet to to sax for that. <laughs> uh, Syra. I think Syra swims. I think she's a jock. Oh, she there we go. <laughs> yeah, she's on the swim team. She's also friends with like the goths and every, every other jock thinks she's really fucking weird. Yes. <laughs> because she is. Yes. And I think on one hand they really admire it, but on the other hand they're creeped out. And so I think like the her and Dell couple is also just so weird to people, but also like it's like that one couple you see and you're like, how are they together? But also it makes sense. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Dell is also showing up with hickeys every day. Every day. Her parents eventually get a phone call about it. Nanny and the Beast, uh, Yuri and April. April's artsy. Yeah, what does she do? She does leatherworking. Leatherworking. So she would be sitting with like a Nick and Gisela and Rosalia, just these weird, very specific kind of artsy folk. Yep. Yeah. That go like beyond painting and shit. Just like different mediums. Agreed. Yeah. Yuri... He's like like future business leaders of America. Yeah. Oh, I don't, I, like, I don't know. I feel like he'd have to be like jock too. Maybe. I, I don't think he's a jock. I think he's just like a bad boy. Yeah, there we go. Bad boy. Bad boy overachiever. Who, so who would have thought? So he's in the cafeteria. He's smoking cigarettes under the bleachers. Ooh. Yeah. And fucking nasty after school. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, Weiston. <laughs> And Candace. Weiston. Oh, Weiston. He's kind of giving mm. band a little bit, too. He really is. He plays the flute. He plays oh. the oboe. Oh, that's, you're so right. <laughs> Wait, oboe? Or what was the other thing I'm thinking of? The bassoon. Bassoon. He plays the bassoon. <laughs> it's giving bassoon. I was like, what's the other double-readed instrument I'm thinking of? I'm having a lot of trouble with Candace. Yeah. Because she also feels like a future Leaders of America thing, but she eventually gets dragged off course. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's kind of a nerd. I feel like she, like, really does her own thing. Um, mm, sitting by herself with the other outcasts. I feel like not even that. I, she kind of gives, like, if we're going to put her in band, she kind of gives only girl in drumline vibes. Mm, yeah. I, I also think that she and Syra hang out because... Everyone kind of avoids Candace and Cyrus. like, hi, I'm also a freak. Yeah. Not to say her physical deformity makes her a freak, but I yeah. think everyone <laughs> would treat her as such. I think so, yeah. Jordan and uh, Leah. Theater kid for Leah. Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah. I think Jordan, theater kid, but crew specifically. Yeah, I was thinking like AV club stuff. I think I think there's some overlap there. Yeah, so like AV, they they yeah. So Jordan's on crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, D and Austin. Ooh. Austin is a nerd. Yes. And I think D is also a nerd, but she she like alternates between like the future business leaders of America and and like I don't know the big nerd table, which is I yeah. guess just. The AV club. I think, like, people also expect nerds to dress a certain way and stuff. So when mm. she sits at the nerd table, she looks out of place, but she very clearly belongs there. Yep. She wears a blazer in high school. Yeah. 
and like very sm- like a very smart pantsuit that's tailored and it's like you're 16 how are you getting this tailored <laughs> I- i'm sticking with uh with you know bookworm nerd for Olsen. yeah seven and joe oh joe obviously a jock yep uh i feel like seven would also be the jrotc <laughs> honestly yes <laughs> yeah but people actually like her Yes. What sport does Joe play? I don't think he plays basketball. Football. No, wait. He swims. Oh, he swims. But also football, because he's got the build for it. Yeah. He can can do both. He's a running back. There we go. And a swimming back. Uh, Allison Avery and Colin Benjamin. They're both huge fucking dorks and like Mm -hmm. they we have the valedictorian and like salutatorian here. Yeah, And yeah. so they are insufferable because they're always competing with each other. And so it's like, yeah, they're nerds, but like they're so into what it is that they're doing that they just like don't really pay attention to other people. Yep. <laughs> I, you nailed it. Also, <laughs> it's not really a stretch to make a high school AU for them considering they're like 23. <laughs> yeah. And also it's a, they were academic rivals in the book. So yep. <laughs> carry that over onto this book. Quenelith and Becky. Ooh. Quen is ROTC. Yeah. She's not an artsy kid herself, but she hangs out with the artsy kids. That's definitely where Becky is, too. Yeah, that's where Craylock is also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Craylock doesn't even go to this school. He just shows up sometimes. He doesn't even go here. <laughs> <laughs> is that true, Craylock? Do you not go here? Just wanted to be a part of something. Second Wind, Martha... And Pamela. Uh, which one's which? I think Pam is the huge dyke. Okay, she's the art teacher. Mm. I think Martha is like the school receptionist that really runs things. I like that, yeah. She's been there for like 40 years. <laughs> she's seen it all. Yep. August and uh, B.U. Sue, a.k.a. Jane. Ooh, Okay. I feel like August would be with the outcasts mm-hmm. because, like, everyone thinks she's weird because it's like, oh, like, you're fucking weird-ass mom or whatever. Yeah. I also think that she's, like, in the journalist circle, but again, nobody really, like, talks to her. Yeah. Even though she's a nice person. I think the weird goth people take her in. Adopt her. Yeah. Well, actually, it would fit in because I'm just thinking of, like, I know we're only talking about, like, our leads here, but in the book, she is, like, adopted by a very quirky clan of folks. So it's, like, definitely, like, the fun, outcasty queer kids. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. BU. I think she's a jock, maybe. She's so anti establishment, though, Mm -hmm. but I can really see her doing, like, fencing or wrestling. Running track, maybe the hammer throw. I'm trying to like, like, cause like, yeah, she's giving jock, but like, what kind of jock? What flavor? I actually, I feel like they're not in band, but they're in a band. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I can get behind that. I feel like also the artsy folk, and maybe some of. I I also feel like sitting with the band geeks sometimes because. Because some of her fellow bandmates are in actually the school band. Yeah, that makes sense. And finally, love under quarantine, Ethan and 
Sadie. Uh, well, Ethan, I mean, is a football player. He literally plays football. <laughs> yeah. Easy. We did it. <laughs> and that's his whole personality. So he he's the star running back. Sadie's a writer. Yes. I think she I think she sits with the artsy kids. I feel like she also probably does like some sports journalism. Mm. Um to to hang out with her boyfriend, Evan. And I feel like since she's a writer, she wants to be part of like a writer's club, but hasn't started one because she knows that Matt would be a part of it and she does not want to hang out with Matt. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 100%. And that's it. Fun fun segment. Took yeah, like so, 30 minutes, but fun segment. Yes, so thank you, Veer. Thank you, Veer. Next up, we have our Patreon awards. Woo! First up, we have the June B Award for Most Contrived Miscommunication. And the nominees are, from the makeup test, Allison not listening to Colin about the presentation that she thinks he stole. From Wildfire Griffin, A Squat thinks that Edith is flirting with Seth. And from A Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire, Kane Michaels thinking that Gisela was just using him for his money. And the winner is... The makeup test. Allison not listening to Colin about the presentation she thinks he stole. Clean it up tonight. Mm-hmm. Not in anything that matters. <laughs> nope. Um, this takes up so much of the book. It takes up the last, like, hundred pages of the book. It's insane. It's terrible. It, it literally could have been solved with with one conversation, half a conversation. With a text. Yeah. With a post-it note. Literally. It's like, you know how some people are always looking for a reason to get mad? Mm-hmm. It almost feels like Allison was looking for a reason to not trust Colin. Yeah. I think she's self-sabotaging in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Girl, go to therapy. First, fuck's sake, go to therapy. Jesus Christ, because Colin didn't deserve this. Yeah. The one with Seth uh, and Edith, it gets resolved almost immediately, but it's still really frustrating mm-hmm. uh, to watch, even for that, like, five seconds. And Kane Michaels thinking that Giselle was just using him for his money is somewhat reasonable, but at the same time... Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nobody did it like Allison, though. Nope. So congratulations to Allison and Colin. Congratulations. Next, we have the Evergreen Collective Award for Best Running Joke. And the nominees are, don't worry about it, dude. Please call me. My number is 203. Say the line, Claudia. And I'm going to throw myself off my balcony slash yeet my iPad slash throw up. <laughs> And the winner is, well, we have two winners. We each chose our favorites. <laughs> I personally love Say the Line, Claudia, because it's so versatile and it covers, like, it's such good shorthand, in my opinion. Uh, and mine is, please call me. My number is 203, because uh, these people need to call me. And my number is 203. I love that one so much. <laughs> I love all of these running gags. I'm excited yes. to nominate It's Fine Pocahontas next year. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, I just work here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our next award is the Coralie Award for Most Divorced Character. And the nominees are Del from Monsters of River's Edge. Austin from Under a Falling Star. And Jordan from Eight Kinky Nights. And the winner is 
Adele from Monsters of River's Edge. How could it not be? How could it not be? This is the most divorced person I've ever seen in my whole life. Yep, she she's unbelievably divorced. Aggressively divorced. Jordan is also incredibly divorced. It's, uh, you know, oh, I should put Leah here too, whatever. But Jordan being like literally divorced and that's kind of the inciting incident of the book. But nobody does it like Dell. Nobody does it like Dell. Dell, you look up the word divorced in a dictionary and you <laughs> see a picture of our girl Dell. So true, bestie. <laughs> so congratulations, Dell. Literally no one on this planet deserves this award more than you do. And thank you so much to our patrons for sponsoring our show for so long. We appreciate all of you, not just the ones listed here, but we especially appreciate the ones listed here. Thank you. We love you. Mwah. Mwah. Speaking of our patrons. A question from June B. What kind of stories are you looking forward to covering? Any particular topics, relationships, or kinks? I want to read more kinky books. Because I'm thinking about it, and the only, like, really explicitly, like, BDSM book that we've read has been Eight Kinky Nights. And we haven't read anything since then that's, that's like, hit that level of, like, explicitly about kink. Yes. I also want to read more uh, gay romances involving two men, two or more men. Mm Mm-hmm. I would like to read a romance by a male author, just to spice things up, but one that's like actually supposed to be a romance. Yeah, we have a few books coming up in the hopper here because we record three months ahead of time generally. We've decided to go in more of a weird direction this year (laughs) because we've gotten so tired of contemporary romance. Yes. I think it's a makeup test that really did it for us, but then you read... um, a proposal they can't refuse and wanted to yeet yourself off of a boat. Well, I'm also, you know, shipwrecked. Shipwrecked. That was the other one. Fuck shipwrecked. Yeah. Shipwrecked was the one that got us. And then a proposal they can't refuse. I was like, this is like barely tolerable because of certain things. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I truly cannot. Too much. So yeah, I'm definitely looking to read some like weird stuff. And so weird, you know, I don't say in like a derogatory sense. Weird, I'm like, like kinky stuff. Like that's weird, you know? Queer stuff. Queer stuff. Queer stuff, weird stuff. Cishet contemporary romances have been very disappointing to me lately. And I can only take so much disappointment. <laughs> yep, honestly. I'm excited for for this year. I think we've got some good stuff planned out. I agree. I'm looking forward to reading another Wildfire book at some point. Yes. We definitely got to round out the series. Yes. I know Pegasus is probably going to be kind of boring. Yeah. You never know, but like, I... Maybe Callum's the freakiest of all. Maybe, maybe Callum fucks nasty. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) One can only hope. A girl can only dream. (laughs) You know, I'm excited to hear about Fenrir and Blaze. Blair? Blaze? Blaze, right? Blaze. I'm excited to hear about them. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think we're, we've got good stuff coming. We've also got some bad books coming. Do not worry. Fear Don't not, worry dear listeners. Fear, fear fucking not. <laughs> we have a doozy in the fucking hopper. Oh, yeah. We will share no more. <sighs> and now we come to our final awards of the night. The ones you've all been waiting for. 
Next is the Kane Michaels Award for Best Male Lead. And the nominees are Vaughn Sinclair from Love Me Whole. Oren Patterson from Love Me Whole. Kane Michaels from A Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire. And Colin Benjamin from The Makeup Test. And the winner is Vaughn Sinclair from Love Me Whole. Vaughn Sinclair. What a guy. We love Vaughn on this show. He's just such a, a neat little character. He is such a simp. And he, really he loves being a simp. He's so patient. He's nice. He does he does have flaws. He is sometimes very impatient, gives too much, and burns himself out. And I like that about him. Oren was a close a close contender as well. Kane yes. Michaels gets a uh, an honorary mention and the award name for being our first boy and the best boy for a long time. He set episodes. the bar. He set the bar. Mm-hmm. He set the bar very high. And a lot of people have cleared it, surprisingly. Yes. Surpri- again, surprisingly, because Kane Michaels, wow, we love, we love our boy. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't nominate Joe. Whatever. Oh, Joe was great. Uh, we also have Colin Benjamin from The Makeup Test. He was the best part. Well, he was the second best part of that book after our boy Ethan Highmore. I fucking love Ethan. <laughs> so good. Colin was too good for what happened to him. <laughs> yeah, I I really think that he should find another girlfriend. Colin, I'm literally right here. Please call me. My number is 203. <laughs> Get on it, Colin, you little fucking elf twink. So congratulations to Vaughn Sinclair and congratulations to all of our nominees. You all deserve to be here. You all deserve it. Apologies to Joe Little that I forgot to write it you down. We love you, Joe. We love you, Joe. Our next award is for the dreamiest act in a book. And the nominees are Yuri Lowenthal threatening to finish. Yuri Lowenthal. Is that his name? I'm pretty sure it was Lowenthal. Isn't that the name of a voice actor? Yuri oh, Lowenthal wait. is the voice actor for Sasuke Uchiha. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> is that why it sounded familiar? <laughs> <laughs> Yuri Volkov. Volkov. Oh, yeah, it was pretty close. It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I saw the name earlier and I was like, that doesn't, it seems right, but it doesn't seem right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll do it. Did we say Yuri Lowenthal at any other point in this episode? No, Yuri was not nominated for anything else. Oh, my God. That's so funny. And the nominees are from Nanny and the Beast, Yuri Volkov threatening to financially destroy April's absent birth mother. From Under a Falling Star, Dee quits her job for Austin. From Wildfire Sea Dragon, Joe destroying the entire path of his life to never risk the death of his mate despite never meeting her. From AITA, A Modern Fairy Tale, Quenelith waits 11 months for Becky to find herself. And the winner is... Joe destroying the entire path of his life to never risk the death of his mate despite never having met her insane amount of dedication oh my god oh that this is the third book in the series and the entire time we've had him pegged as some kind of character like kind of a you know kind of a dick a little bit you know he he fools around and whatever and it's like no he's done all of this 
just to protect his mate. He does. He doesn't know who is. He, he's never met his mate. It, it's just kind of beautiful, you know. Like he has. He's made one of the ultimate sacrifices. He's given up, like years of his life, really, just doing things that he wouldn't have normally done. Though. He did get the chance to fuck Nasty a lot during that time. Oh, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> Most of these are, are close as well. Quen, like, waiting for Becky, and, and really Becky going to, like, stabilize herself. Really dreamy. Dreamiest thing you can do. Dee quitting her job and, like, taking care of herself. Man, we love when people take care of their own needs. For real. Also, Yuri... Threatening to financially destroy April's birth mother. Kinda hot. Hot, yeah. Yeah. Next, we have the award for best female lead. And the nominees are Dee Saunders from Under a Falling Star. Dell, insert last name here, from Monsters of River's Edge. Sunny Larkin from Sunny Says. Edith Stone from Wildfire Griffin. Becky from AITA, A Modern Fairy Tale. Quenelith the Conqueror from AITA, A Modern Fairy Tale. Leah from Eight Kinky Nights. And the winner is... Dee Saunders from Under a Falling Star. This was a tough tough category. category. Fuck, man. We also have so many nominees here. We just... We've been fortunate enough to have a lot of great female leads, which is something that I don't think we see a lot of in any other genre except for romance. Yep. Like, even when the book is bad, we get good people. Sunny Larkin, Sunny says, kind of blows. But Sunny is such a great character. Oh, I love Sunny. She's she's so great. Um, I mean, Dee Saunders eked it out because I just I love her attitude she's Mm -hmm. hot I like her dedication I like her weird autistic energy (laughs) I just like her I think she's cool this is one of those categories that I honestly would have been happy giving it to any one of these characters I agree everyone here is great Del I mean we've said a lot about Del already I love her butch energy her dedication I, I she's great Sunny, her energy, her love, her her de- her like excitement about her job and about life in general. ADHD queen, love her. Edith, autistic queen, and she's super strong and hot. Mm-hmm. And she is not afraid to talk about sex openly, which I love. Becky, a, a flawed person who goes through a lot to make sure that she gets better and takes care of herself. And a lot of it too is like very, like she she does this for herself where she, no one told her that she has a drinking problem. No one told her to stop drinking or anything. She did that for her. She did that herself. She was able to look inside and say, I don't like when I do this and then work towards not doing that. Yeah. Um, amazing. Also, I love her love of art. Yes. Quenelith, what can we say about Quen? Oh, I can say a lot about Quen. <laughs> <laughs> Go right Quenelith, ahead. please call me. Please. Please. <laughs> my number is 203. Quen, her her attitude, her history, her softness to mm-hmm. go along with like her her strength. Quen is a beautiful character too. Leah. Oh. Leah is so fucking good. 
Leah's fantastic. Her communication skills, her unmatched. Yeah, her yeah. friendliness. I, I, she's fucking sexy. And also her strength. After mm-hmm. who's the, who the, who's her piece of shit ex? Bev. Fucking Bev. I know she's in here. Oh, I know Bev. Bev. So even after everything with fucking Bev, the, the fact that Leah has the courage to go and find love again and to trust another person, I love Leah. Women. Women. I mean, uh. honestly, shout out to most of our female leads. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm very uh, sorry to everyone in the worst female lead. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say it. <laughs> in this category, it was so hard to award this to one person, uh, but D came out on top. But and, and but everyone on this list deserves to be here. Yep. So congratulations to everyone. Congratulations, D. And now our final award of the night: best couple. And the nominees are Becky and Quen from AITA, A Modern Fairy Tale. Vaughn and Oren at all from Love Me Whole. Joe and Seven from Wildfire Sea Dragon. Rory and Edith from Wildfire Griffin. Dee and Austin from Under a Falling Star. August and B.U. Jane Sue from One Last Stop. And the winner is... Together? Yeah. Vaughn and and Orin. From Love Me Whole. From Love Me Whole. <laughs> we <laughs> fucked that up so bad. <laughs> oh, I can't even make that work. I know it. <laughs> Vaughn and Orin from Love Me Whole. Vaughn and Orin from Love Me Whole. They're, they're just the best. They're they truly comfort, are. Their dedication, their ability to learn and grow from each other. And like personally, everyone in Orin's system is fantastic. And Vaughn also, you know, realizing that it's not just Orin he has to have a relationship with. If he wants to be in a romantic relationship with Orin, he needs to develop a kind of relationship with everybody else in the system. And he mm-hmm. does so. With flying colors. With, oh my god, he he kills it. They're they're all just so textured yes. as characters. I love that. I love how it's like you sometimes in books. It's a problem having such a large cast and, you know, because mm. like with with the whole with the system, we have a number of characters here that Vaughn. I mean, just like I, th- I think we talk about this in the episode, too, where you one person having to get to know another person is already enough effort. But then also having to get to know multiple people at one time mm-hmm. can be stressful. And then Vaughn. But Vaughn does it and he befriends everybody in the system he develops romantic relationships with more than one person in the system and he's just i wanted to say all this when we gave vaughn the best boy award i just i love vaughn i love him and orin together and i love how the rest of the system also is included in this relationship yeah special shout out to cove who had just such growth throughout that book ah And Vaughn's special relationship to him. Yes. I mean, everyone on here is fantastic. Becky and Quinn, we've talked about to infinity and beyond. Mm -hmm. Just like Buzz Lightyear. Joe and Saren slash Seven. The dedication to each other, not just like Saren's like nightly dedication. Oh my God, it's Knight and Prince again. (laughs) Nice. Royalty shit. (laughs) Um, 
I'm I'm at a loss for words for a lot of these. Rory and Edith, I think they're just fun together. They're, they're just so great. cute. Yeah. Like they don't have to overcome that many hardships. The the hardships they have to overcome are like themselves. Yes. Like, like Edith telling Rory that she's autistic and Rory immediately being like, is this okay? How can I make things better and support you? He's so good. And, you know, Rory admitting that he's a shape-shifting griffin and Edith being like, oh, Pog. <laughs> <laughs> and and falling over herself laughing because she thought that <laughs> she thought everyone was acting weird and she was just feeling autistic feelings about it. <laughs> Not that everyone was actually acting weird, but it's really everyone's a shapeshifter. They really are just so cute and funny. They're my favorite addition to every other book in the series so far, just them in the background. Yes. Just being cute. <laughs> um, uh, we have Dee and Austin. Ugh. They are, they are such a fun slow burn. Yes. They, oh. Their angst is so mild. They have issues and they solve them. And also it's just a very fun twist on the marrying a billionaire fantasy because mm -hmm. D is in a position that you would normal, normally see a man in. And yeah. so it's very fun seeing that dynamic because I feel like a lot of the times we do see the dynamic, the relationship is very toxic. So to see a woman in that position and then also for it to be a very fun and healthy relationship, love that. I'm a sicko for it. Yes. Ha 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 Yes. <laughs> August and BU. Ugh. One Last Stop holds a very special place in my heart. I know it won, like, no awards tonight, but the fact that it was nominated so many times should should speak to it. Mm-hmm. August and BU, they work so well together. They literally rip the fabric of space and time apart for each other. August is dating a ghost, basically. The little things they do for each other, too, like mm -hmm. August getting Jane a cell phone so that they can talk even when she's not on the queue, and, like, when they're at that party and uh, she has Jane on the phone, like, in her pocket the whole time. Ugh. They were a very close second here. Yep. What a time. What a time. Well, that's the show. That's the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for supporting us for one year. Here's to another. Here's to many more. Thank you to the Moonshot Network for accepting us. And Thank you. Taking, you know, taking a chance on our weird show. <laughs> I was so nervous that they were going to reject us on the grounds of in the first episode when we were talking about the breeding kink. Literally in the first episode. <laughs> Literally. We, we really put it out there that we were freaks immediately. Immediately. <laughs> uh, we weren't hiding who we are. Thank you to the guests that we've had on, Marn and Forrest. Thank you to the authors who have gotten into contact with us to tell us that they really liked the episode. Uh, I'm talking about Danny Collins. I'm talking about Jerrica Taylor, Nikki James, Cassie Alexander. Thank you to all the friends of Zan West, who I got to speak to, Shira Glassman, who I mispronounced your name the first time and also in the last cut of this, and Anna, uh, and as, as well as a couple of other people who didn't make it into the episode, sadly. Every one of those messages meant so much to me. Zan West themselves as well. We've had an amazing year. We really have. 
And I feel like I I've known that, but now going through all these awards, really reflecting back on this year, it's been great. But thank you to everyone for supporting us. Yes, thank you to our patrons, June B, the Evergreen Collective, and Coralie. We love each and every one of you who listens. The final wordy goes out to all of you all for of being you. wonderful. Give yourself a round well of applause. Uh, not if you're driving, though. Oh, yeah, no. Keep your hands on the wheel, two and ten. Or if you're me, just one on twelve. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nicole. <laughs> Claudia, where can the people find you? You can find me at Punk Dyke, P-U-N-K-D-Y-K-E. I can't believe nobody had that at award for best at and best continuing outro bit. You can find me at Sexy Pagliacci on Twitter. That's S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I, the sad clown. But before that, you can find me at the very exclusive Wordies After Party, where I mm. will be hooking up with a celebrity. <laughs> Ooh, Pog. <laughs> Matt Harkney. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Harkney's name is not on the list. Wait, did he win the most awards tonight? I think he did. Oh, man. Well. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit, dude. You can follow the show at the 3LW podcast on Twitter. Uh, We are on Patreon. So just check us out at the 3LW podcast on Patreon. Uh, we are also on TikTok and everywhere else. What other social medias are there? Uh, theoretically, we're on Instagram. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have an Instagram. We also have a Tumblr that we should use, too. Probably. <laughs> I always forget Tumblr exists. I even have the little icon on like my bookmark bar. Still doesn't I'm register. Every day, baby. <laughs> That's it. Well, we'll see you next year. Until then, stay beautiful. (laughs) Love you, romantics. Love you. Hello, <laughs> this is Clem Bianchi. I'm a courier, delivering mail in space, one package at a time. If you're hearing this message, I need some help. 
I'm trying to deliver a package to a guy on Pluto. Says his name is Gorge Flummox. If anyone knows a Gorge Flummox on Pluto, please let him know I've been trying to reach him about his box of Lunarian cheese. I know the box is full of cheese because for the last few weeks, I've started hearing things when I touch my cargo. When I pick up a letter or a package, I hear conversations and sometimes even see things tied to whoever the mail is for or from. I call it the letter opener. It's yanked me into some real situations. A haunted house, a pizza delivery drag race, and even a revolution to take a city back from the bigwigs who keep its hoverboard sports engine humming. You can hear all about it on Additional Postage Required, a bi-weekly audio drama on the Moonshot Podcast Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Anyway, if you know Gorge, please tell him to give me a call. I think his cheese is starting to move around in the box.